Hello. Hey. Welcome everyone at home and online. Hey, it's a big week in our country. It's a big week in our church and a great opportunity today. Um, this week, I want to make sure that you know, if you haven't been told by Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Google, and a million representatives texting you, uh, I think it's important that you vote. I think that it's important that um, you don't vote for the guy that I uh, think you should vote for, but that you should um, listen to Jesus and move forward. That's a complicated message. Um, I have a lot of friends that are pastors, and uh, a lot of pastors will tell their people how to vote. Um, I think that that can be divisive. Uh, and I've spent a great deal amount of time in prayer on regards to this subject today and crying to God right here uh, in these chairs asking for God's heart. I'm, I'm believing that he's going to speak to you today on something that I sought him very aggressively for. Jesus. Help. Amen. Jesus would pray in John 17 right before he died. The last recorded prayer time that he had in scripture. In John 17, a really beautiful moment. He says this. He says, I'm praying also for all those who will believe in me through their message. He's talking about the disciples' message. I'm praying for everyone who will believe in me that all of them Maybe one. And you got to hear the heart of Jesus there. I in them and you in me so that they would be brought to complete unity. Do you hear this, guys? This is the heart of my Savior, the heart of the one who came and died for me, the heart of the one who, who lived a life, who... He, mm. His desire was to see us come together in unity. Man, there's such power in unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Jesus said, when, when we're together, when, then the world will recognize that I, that the Father loves you and you and you and you and you the same way he loved Jesus. That's Mind-blowing to me, I don't know if that's mind-blowing to you, but I, that, that messes with my theology, that the Father adores me the same way he adored Jesus. And this is so recognizable to the world when we're one. My first point today is a unified nation. I, um, I think that this is huge. I don't know if you know, but throughout history, uh, the greatest nations that have risen were not overcome by an enemy, but defeated from within. This is where our country stands today. And um, if you look to media throughout the rest of the week, you're going to see a nation that's divided. And I'm not trying to be messy, but I believe that the hope and the answer is right here within the church. I'm going to explain that here in a minute. 
But as I think of forefathers and people that have gone on before us, it was in um, 1895 that the Pledge of Allegiance was written. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, you know, one nation under God and indivisible. Listen to the words of Jesus. He would say this, Jesus in Luke chapter 11, verse 17, he said, Jesus knew their thoughts, the, the, the Pharisees, and he said to them, any kingdom divided against itself, this is a prophecy, will be ruined in a house that's divided against itself, will fall. This is what's happening in this day and age. People are screaming as loud as they can at the television and at, at, at a cell phone and telling everyone the right thing to do. And I am begging for us to shut our mouths for a minute and try to do everything we can to be a force that comes together. There are many that may be here today that may not appreciate this message. I'm sorry, this is the heart of your pastor. And I've spent a great deal of time on my face believing this is the heart of Jesus before he went to the cross, that we would come together in complete unity. You have to remember, before Jesus went to the cross, all of his disciples wanted him to fight for Israel. And he was fighting for a bigger cause. I don't know. That may take a long time for your theology to get there. The definition of indivisible, I looked it up this week for you, is unable to be divided or separated. So our forefathers prayed for our nation that we would be unable to be divided. Unable to be divided. It's not possible, was what their hope was. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. This passage is about something completely different, but I'll try to explain it to you here in a minute. He said, for he himself is our peace. He's, he's referring to Jesus. The apostle Paul is talking about Jesus. He himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier. Can you hear that, friends? He, he made two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. He's talking about the reality that like the Jews really thought they were better than the rest of the world, that Jesus was trying to say, you can't earn your way to be great. And many of us, whether we realize it or not, are looking at people with different opinions, thinking that we are right and they are dumb. And I've heard it so many times as I've jumped online praying for the church. And we referred to the other party as stupid. No. You're the one that's short, narrow-minded. In that moment, I have to tell you, I rebuke you. As your pastor, there's no love in that statement. And I simply have not I don't believe that God is looking at us as stupid when we oftentimes are. And I hear Jesus praying in a time where he brought the Jews and the Gentiles together. The reason why we are a church today is because Jesus destroyed that barrier. I want you to recognize we're not supposed to be believers 
all of the men would have to go out today and be circumcised again, have to fulfill all of these rules and regulations that you simply are not doing. A million feasts and all of these regulations that like there's so many rules that we just couldn't earn it. And Jesus brought us there. And I love the way he pursued people. He went after Romans and he sat with tax collectors and he made a way for people who did not think like him to have fellowship with him. He brought people together and made them one. Friends, hear the call of God on our lives. We weren't right with God and he made a seat at his table for us. I'm praying the same prayer that Jesus prayed right now for our country. Lord, that you would make us one. I do believe that this country has been good to many nations. As I've traveled throughout many nations, many of these countries have prayed and I've heard them thanking America for food and resources and military and support. And they've been there when other countries have been down. I'm thankful for the, for the sacrifices that this country has made. Lord, I pray that you would bring us together. I pray that we would recognize that this country is great. This is the greatest place to live. And we have so many liberties and teach us how to lift our eyes. Lord, would you make us one? Not red, not blue, but sons and daughters. Father, you said a, a nation divided would fall. I pray that we would be undividable. In Jesus' name. Throughout this message, we're going to stop multiple times for prayer. Uh, it's not because I'm... Uh, there was a joke there. I'm going to let that go. We're just going to pray a whole lot. And then um, I'm growing as a speaker. Uh, my wife is really proud of me. I'm weird. If you're new, uh, I'm not the most polished communicator. Um, I just try to draw as close to Jesus as I can and then let my heart be exposed. And so today there may be a lot of awkward moments, but I'm, I'm believing that God's going to speak to you. I believe that the hope of the nation of America is his church. It's my second point today. A united, the united church. The united church is my second point. I believe indivisible. That we would not be dividable. When Jesus was talking about the church that would come from, from 12 awkward dudes, not very intelligent, you know, not very... Yeah, the same at all. I mean, they're very much all different guys. He said that I'll build my church and the gates of hell wouldn't be able to prevail against it. It was the hope that this church would be united. You heard that in John 17, that we would be perfect unity, he would pray. Perfect unity. Man, I pray for unity in the church. Let me tell you, unity doesn't look like this. Vote this way or you're wrong. Unity doesn't look like this. Think this way or you're wrong. I think unity says I love you. And I'm glad to be here with you. 
Uh, the Apostle Paul was really struggling with a, a scenario that I'm hearing going round and round on the internet right now. Uh, as news, and I, I read Google News every day. I try not to get on the internet uh, for social media, but the last couple weeks I have felt like it's, I, I'm supposed to. And um, the Apostle Paul is addressing Corinthians here. And I just want you to hear some of the terminology that's coming out because it sounds similar to the church. And our apostle, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, is addressing something that's wrong in the church. Hear this for a second. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions within his church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels. My dear brothers and sisters, some of you are saying, I'm a follower of Paul. And others are saying, I follow Apollos. Or I follow Peter. Or I only follow Christ. Has Christ been divided into fractions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized into the name of Paul? Of course not. My wife read a powerful verse the other day that I could go on reading scripture after scripture after scripture, but she found an Old Testament prophecy about the fact that, that, that Israel was voting for another guy, and, and, and the prophet was saying, this guy's not going to save your nation. You got to remember that. I am voting tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, and I pray that you vote. And I pray that you vote according to what God says. But regardless of the vote, I don't put my trust in man. I pray that you don't put your trust in me. I pray that you are wise enough to recognize that we shouldn't really trust in Trump or Biden. I think that God may choose them to do great things for our country moving forward. I believe that regardless of what happens in the election, that it's going to work its way out. But I believe with all of my heart that um, man will fail you. But God is faithful. I believe that the hope of the church, the hope of, of, of our nation is the church. And I believe that what God wants to do is to bring us together in such a way that it's confusing. You know how like, you know how like we look sometimes at like the Senate or the con Congress or whatever, and we're like, why can't they just work together sometimes? That's what I wanted to do real quick. I'm bringing up two friends of mine, uh, Paul and Cheryl Sheehan. Would you guys come up real quick? Or not Paul and Cheryl Sheehan. Uh, you would think that I've known you for a few years now. Um, Bill and Cheryl, uh, this is a wonderful couple, and um, they love God. Let me just read you one more verse real quick before they get started. Um, Psalms 133 verse 1 says, how good, just think about this for a second. Just feel this for a second. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Isn't that the truth? You know, I brought this couple over here for a second just to, I believe that they're important. Um, here's something that's unique about this couple. You need to know. They've been, yeah, he's um, interesting. Uh, Bill and Cheryl have been married for 57 years. And in this election coming up, 
Um, it turns out that they're not voting the same. Uh, and it turns out that they haven't voted them the same for probably 57 years. Um, and yet they can't live without each other. And I want you to know that, um, Bill, regardless of how you vote on Tuesday, I stand with you. And Cheryl, regardless of how you vote this Tuesday, I stand with you because I believe in you. I think that's a bigger picture of what matters. And I think that this is what the church doesn't know how to do. We don't know how to stand with people that we don't understand. And that's, that's what makes it hard if you're not willing to sit with people and figure out why. Who are you? And what are you made of? The lack of fellowship is what's destroying our country. And people that are willing to sit together and say, I love you. I'm proud of you too. And I'm grateful for you too. Would you pray for our church? Let's pray. Lord, we come before you today united. And even though we have different persuasions with regards to the election, um, we know that we'll get through this and whatever happens, it's God's will. And, uh, but for Cheryl and I, we stand together no matter. And uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Lord, we are your church and we stand as one, united in the belief that you are our savior, that you are the hope of this nation. Father God, your word says, do not judge one another. Do not put stumbling blocks in front of brothers and sisters. And so, Lord, regardless of what happens on this Tuesday, we are thankful that we are built upon the rock and not upon shifting sand and that you are ever faithful. Your word says, Lord, that you set up kings and depose them. And so we trust in you, Lord, because always you have our best interests in mind and in heart. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Amen. I love you guys, and you mean the world to me. I, um, man, I've spent so much time thinking about this stinking sermon that it kills me. Um, I just think it, you know, like as a grandfather, they love their kids. I'm not a grandfather. <laughs> But I know that like a grandfather's dream is to is when their kids come home for Thanksgiving and they bring their grandkids. And there's nothing worse than when there's fractures in the home and they can't be together. It's like a nightmare of a parent. Or like when someone passes in the family and then no one can talk or work it out. It's like the opposite of the heart of what God wants to reveal. He wants unity and humility and love to be present. Love you guys. A unified church. The third thing I think is important today is um, a unified marriage. It's another thing that's under attack right now. Because I think that a unified marriage is um, the strength of the church. I want to make sure you hear this coming from your pastor. Because as soon as I say this, people get like, ah. If you are a Christian, 
it's important that you hear the Apostle Paul say to you that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But at the same note, you have to understand the meaning and the depth of the strength of a marriage, regardless of whether it's working for you right now or whether it's been really terrible. The strength of a marriage is um, really what illustrates Jesus Christ's commitment to his people, two people that are not alike, that choose to humble themselves to be alike and work for and work together. It's difficult. Marriage, real marriage, any real couple can tell you the hours, days and weeks that they fought to make it work. It's more than stressful and complicated. Um, and that's the way a relationship with God is going to work. I have to fight weeks and hours to maintain my heart to put passion back in this thing for Jesus because my heart naturally pulls away. And so it is in a relationship. And uh, the last couple of weeks with people being quarantined together like it was back in Little House in the Prairie. We just don't know how to act, you know. People are looking at each other going like turning into villains and monsters, you know, like who who are you, you know. And it's just this ugly thing that's been happening. And I know there's a lot of marriages that are under fire right now, and I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. I want to see passion back in the marriage again, people laughing together. And this is difficult, but it's really necessary. In Ephesians chapter, 20, chapter 5, verse 25 and 26, husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave his life for her to make her holy and clean. Men, sacrifice for your wife. Can't tell you how many times I can't walk away from this verse in my own life. This verse I've wanted to abandon so many times, but when I recognize that the love of God, what he has for me, how he's fought for me, how he's sacrificed for me, how he's denied himself for me, it makes me realize that being right um, is not always necessary. And um, he's asking me to give up my life for my bride. And I recognize that when divorce happens in a church, it's confusing. So people will be like, oh man, pastor, this is, you make me feel like crap. I'm not trying to. Here's what you need to know. I, I do hate divorce. I hate divorce because I come from a broken family. Um, and um, no matter where you are at what age in your life, kids hate divorce. It's confusing and it's complicated and they have to pick sides. And in the church, it's confusing and complicated, and we have to pick sides. And the Lord never designed that because he's not picking sides. It would, it would go on, the scripture would go on to say, and the scripture would say, a man leaves his father and mother and joined uh, to his wife, and the two are united into one. They're not dividable. Two have been made one. Your spouse is not your enemy. You've been made into one. You know what the problem is in my marriage? me because she's me and I have an internal conflict going on all the time inside of me and you marry me to anything and there's going to be conflict because that conflict is always going on inside of me in order for my marriage to work I have to die welcome to life in Christ and in marriage 
Does that make sense? I know that this is sobering. I believe Christ is praying for unity. That the two are united into one. Verse 32, and this is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. And so again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife, listen, wives, you must respect your husband. If you, if you want your husband's attention, you have to stop criticizing him. You have to stop reminding him of what I, I just said, all, that men must shut up and serve and submit and sacrifice for his wife. Ladies, you got to honor him. You got to respect him. He's desperately looking for someone to respect you. And if it doesn't come from you, if you can't look at him and say, you're great, he's going to have a hard time inside himself. I believe something under attack right now is marriage. We see it in culture right now. There are organizations that are intentionally trying to create destruction. And I believe what is the strength of the church. We're fighting in marriages, not just for marriages to work, but because we made a promise that was mirrored by Christ. And so when we looked at each other and said, I promise, it was birthed out of the covenant and the promise that Jesus made over us. It's huge. I recognize that not everyone here is married. I recognize that not everyone here is called to be married. But if you decide to ever one day get married, if, you, if you're not yet married, you only get one pick at that thing, make it a good one. Please don't compromise. Wait for God's best. Even God's best is going to be crazy difficult for you. I'm not trying to make that small. It's, it's hard as hell sometimes. And so I have two friends that I wanted to bring up here real quick to pray over you real quick. Would you come, Russell and Angela? Um, I believe that a unified home is crucial to God's church. Would you all mind right here? Um, and uh, this is a couple that I've come to know. I think that y'all should get to know. They are leaders in our church. Uh, they, they are a strong, powerful, godly couple who love each other crazy. And they put themselves before the church, like each other. Like they put this before me, it, work, life, even their own kids. And uh, that's why God's giving them a voice right now. And so we just want you to pray that God will make us one. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the institution of marriage. It's your idea. It's how the world knows you better. And it's how we become better. Because marriage is for holy not for happy. It is the world's best checks and balance system. It requires us to be selfless and kind and to choose mercy over judgment. It's your idea. So I just pray for all of the wives and potential wives that we would love our husbands and respect them and be kind to not force them to make us happy to remember that they are your son before they're our husband 
that they belong to you and not to what we want. We ask for your grace and your revelation knowledge concerning our husbands and for the single women, for their husbands to come, that we not make the list of what we want, but that we listen for you and what you want. We surrender. Holy Spirit, we beseech you. You are our helper and our guide. As I was sitting meditating upon how to pray, I kept hearing. You don't know what she said. You don't know what he's done. Somebody else said, I'm broken, and I don't know what to do. Father, we ask that you would help them to see each other as you see them. That even though these things are true that they've said in their hearts or in their minds, you know all things. And you're the mender of broken hearts. You know all things. Deposit within each other's hearts and mind a heart for that wife, a heart for that husband, to see them as you see them, Father. That we would draw one another close to you first. May that be the priority, and then to each other second. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Hmm. Some of us just need to obey and cross the aisle. Pastor said, It's not about being right. It's about being together, knowing that that pleases you, Father. So we ask for courage that it be deposited in each and every one of us to cross the aisle, to say face to face, you're not my enemy, and I love you. We thank you for it all, Father, and we thank you for the testimonies to come. In Jesus' name, amen. I love the two of you, and I'm thankful for you in so many ways, brother. Yes, sir. Hey, this is how we're going to close this time today. Um, I believe that the hope of this nation out there is, um, is, is, is the church. I believe the church united. It's so crucial. I believe that uh, marriage is a hope within the church. And I believe that more importantly than any of those things, that a unified and indivisible communion with the Lord is where everything starts. This is my last point today. And um, I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty for anything. And I think that a lot of times the condemnation that happens isn't even from Jesus. It's like, 
within ourselves, and it's the enemy putting chains on us and crap on us. I just want you to know that God loves you. You are the passion of Christ. The reason why he carried a cross up, 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 go God, up, up, up the, the Del Rosa is because he loved you. And many of us are still trying to earn salvation. We're still trying to be good enough for God. We're still trying to like fix something like that. You just got to know that the way marriage works is I, I like you despite you. Like I pick you despite That's what Jesus is. Is like he likes you with all of your flaws and hangups and bad breath and smelly, weird, gross toenails. And like he loves the messy part of you. I'm really not trying to be cute. I just think that like some of us don't, we want to get right before we can be right. And that's not the way it works. Like he, the love of God changes us. James, would you come? I purposely didn't tell you this was going to happen. Yes, sir. For those of you at home, this young man does not know what's coming. Um, just going to have you um, hold that microphone for a second as I read you guys a verse. One you need to know, uh, the undivided, un- unified and indivisible communion with the Lord is really what the hope of a marriage is. It's the hope of the church. It's the hope of this nation. It starts with you recognizing that God is all about you. And he is chasing you down and has been chasing you down your whole life. And there's nothing you can do that can make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do that can make God love you less. He is about you. And that's hard for me who's still trying to earn love. I just want you to hear what the Apostle Paul wrote in regards to the love of God in Romans chapter 8. He said, can anything separate us from Christ's love? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor, nor neither anything present nor, nor the future nor powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be ever be able to separate me from the love of God that is found only in Christ Jesus my Lord. James, I, there's a lot of conflict that's going on. Would y'all do me a favor? Would you just, everyone at home, would you just make a holy moment? Would y'all just close your eyes real quick and would you bow your heads for a second? James, I believe that guy's just gonna put something on your heart. This guy loves Jesus. And the grace of God that's found him has wrecked him. James, there's a lot of people that are here right now that are struggling to believe that God wants to move in their life. And I believe that God is, Jesus is praying that we would be one with him. And there's conflict going on that's messing that up. Would you just say whatever God puts on your heart for the next minute or so? Lord, I thank you so much for your grace, for who you are, Jesus, you're a Lord, you're a Savior. And um, 
God, I pray for the people in this room, for those who may be struggling with um, marriage, with conflict within the homes, with their own selves, the past. Jesus, I ask that we know your fullness, that we know your gospel, that you forgive us of our past. Jesus, you're the only thing that makes us clean. So Lord, I pray for freedom in this room, and I I pray that people can know that, yes, you can use even them. That is really, it's not us, but it's you. And I ask God that you can help people to know no matter who they are or how weak they are, that in your grace, we are strong. I pray for you to move in this church from the people who see themselves as the least of the people who may see themselves as the greatest. But God, we all follow you and we pray that you are the one who is working. Jesus, please move in your name. Amen. You're the man, James. If you don't know James, you want to. Trust me. Hey, um, I said all this backwards on purpose because I think a lot of us think that the enemy is like the people that disagree with us out there. Or a lot of us have a hard time with the church at large and you've been struggling to find your place here because you struggle with communities. Um, and some of us, it's, uh, we struggle with like marriage and None of these things are really the problem. Really, the war is within. And it's because we haven't received the love of God. But when, when I receive the love of God and the war stops within me, then the war stops with my spouse. And then the war stops within my church. And then the war stops with me fighting people out there. It all comes down to what God is doing in you. Are you loved by God? Have you, do you recognize today what God did for you when you were wrong? How he made you right and destroyed the barrier that made us right with God.